Hello there. Thanks for joining us on the Christ Covenant Sermon Talkback. The Sermon Talkback is where pastors and members of Christ Covenant can process the sermon, ask questions, and more practically apply the content of the sermon. If you do have a question you would like to have dialogued, please use our text to pastor line at 404-465-1737. And if you'd like to find more resources, visit ChristCovenant.com slash resources. We hope you enjoy the discussion. Well, this is a special, very special, super mm-hmm. excited sermon talk back that we've got uh, Jennifer McClish and the Jason Dees, and I'm Thomas Nelson. We've swift, switched the seats, and I'm hosting today. Going to ask you two some questions. That's You're right. like the Johnny Carson of the sermon talk back right now, Thomas. Man, that's big <laughs> shoes right there. That's that the biggest. Wow. Big shoes. The biggest. Wow. Well, you know, working with da, our young adults da, 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 a lot. Da, 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 Could you do that the da, whole time? Da, 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 da. <laughs> That's uh, working with our young adults so often (laughs) hearing all these questions about singleness. I've really appreciated these past two weeks. Looking forward to this coming Sunday as we round out this three weeks. This is kind of like the Thomas Nelson sermon series. I mean, I've just sat back, just arms, just arms up in the air, just like (laughs) touchdown sign the whole time. It's just been great. But this week, really, I mean, kind of stirs the pot for a lot of people. Mm. Married people and single people, because you really brought a bunch of things up looking at the First Corinthians 6 passage. And I love that as we read it yesterday, your son That's read right. it to us. Yeah. That was so sweet. My graduating youngest, senior. My graduating senior. Our first graduating senior, as far as I know, <laughs> which is pretty I think exciting. It's the second, but second anyway. <laughs> graduating senior. Now, we, yeah, we've had a couple of got, Yeah, yeah. But he, he read such a, such a great verse in First Corinthians 6 9. And he says, uh, and six nine, and then he goes on to to six ten, and then six eleven. He says, and that is what some of you were. Gives this whole litany of sinful moments that people have gone through. A lot of them were sexual sinful moments. And he says, but that's what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And so, you know, I think a lot of people listened yesterday, mm-hmm. and they thought but I've got some sexual brokenness. Mm. How does how does that apply to me? Because we're talking about uh, a purity in dating, a purity in sexuality, right. but what if they're starting at a deficit? What kind of word would you have, you two have for those folks? Well, I, I was thinking that when I was listening that, um, yeah, anytime you say you're gonna talk about sex, of course, um, we all, well, we're all sexual sinners. Um, and some of us have great brokenness in our past, but there's actually some, um, encouragement and I thought also of of women in particular um, in the culture that we are operating in where we're told that we have all this sexual freedom and there was this sexual revolution and um, that but how that has actually enslaved um, women in particular but men as well I mean enslaved to our to our desires and our drives instead of um, enslaved to the good master I would uh, say Jesus. I would say the sexual revolution has enslaved men to his sexual desires and in large part enslaved women to the sexual desires of men of men right Right. it hasn't helped us the sexual revolution what it is is enslaving the world to male sexual desires that that's really what has happened that's right and men are enslaved to them um and then women are squeezed into them to me the um the like prototypical 
like the the symbol of the failure of the sexual revolution, you know, for example, is like Caitlyn Jenner, right? Mm. Yeah. And, you know, Bruce Jenner, Caitlyn Jenner. So you, you, in the name of gender freedom, what do you have? You have this male fantasy woman mm-hmm. that Bruce Jenner became, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's it's if I'm going to become a woman, I, I can't. You can't just become a woman. You have to be like become a woman, or hypersexualized or, or, woman. Yeah, hypersexualized yeah. woman. Or yeah. you know the, the other kind of you know little like signpost thing. There's there's a lot of women that are trying to like look like Jessica Rabbit. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and there's transgender men that are trying to do the same thing actually. And again, I mean, this is just showing the perversion of it, right? They're, they're, they're like so entering men in an example are so entering into their sexual fantasies that they're actually like becoming the thing that they fantasize over. Right. That's in the case of transgender men. And then women in becoming trans, mm-hmm. Jessica Rabbit, <laughs> are becoming the thing that men fantasize over, thinking that that's freedom, thinking that there's power there. But really, it's just evidence of how enslaved our culture really, really is. And and I tried to speak to that yesterday also, which is like Pride Month, mm-hmm. right? Like Pride Month, again, like this, this is just so showing like the confusion of this. And, and, and to be honest, like my heart like so breaks for my friends that are struggling with same-sex attraction or struggling with some of these kind of sexual sins. Um, or, 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 you know, sexual perversions or sexual abnormalities or whatever you want to call it. Um, but the culture is saying to you, if you're one of my friends that struggles with homosexuality, that you are your sexual desires. That that's mm-hmm. where we've come. Yeah. And, it's my and, identity. It's who I am. Yes. I am. When, when really I'm looking at it, I'm like, no, you are God's creation. Mm-hmm. You're designed to image God. You're the highest creation in all of existence. And so, yeah, this whole conversation is actually incredibly heartbreaking. Yes. But not the good news. I mean, the good news is the gospel. <laughs> there is good news. Yeah, right. there is good news. Yes. But it's not like it's new. <laughs> I mean, you know, right. the same right. kind of thing. I mean, what is what is Paul particularly addressing in this? And it is the prostitution that was done in the name of worship. And so in these cultures, men, again, it's always the men, Thomas, had created yeah. A, a, yeah. A, a culture of worship where in order to like say worship Athena, for example, all you had to do was, <laughs> was go have sex with a prostitute. Oh. I mean, that is like a worship uh, service that sells. Probably, to, had, probably high right. attendance. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like yeah, your duty is you go have sex with this prostitute yeah. and that's how you worship this goddess. Guys are like, well, I mean, I, could, I like yeah. to, I like God and stuff. And so <laughs> anyway, I mean, no, but that, that's the kind of perversion right. yeah. that has existed in historical times. And it's really kind of not too far from where and it, we, well, where we it, currently and are. Yeah. It, it shows us the pressure that they felt in that culture is similar to the pressure pressure that we have now. Apparently, there was so much pressure to say that prostitute prostitution was you know right and normal and natural that the Christians of the day were trying to 
find ways to justify it. Right. Not just because they wanted to, but it kind of reminds me now of the pressure that we feel of, of um, as Christians to say that practices that we ourselves wouldn't get engage in, but we think, okay, everyone's it. Everyone's acting like this is okay. So we've got to find a way to justify it for other people, like saying love is love and, and God, you know, is okay with how everyone expresses their sexuality and all these things, these hoops that we're trying to jump through as Christians mm -hmm. to make sense of this. And these Christians in Corinth were doing the same thing. Yeah, I think when you were saying the thing about the fantasy and how we see that played out, it is kind of like the logical or I guess in some ways the illogical conclusion of our desires and fantasies to have, for instance, a Caitlyn Jenner in the world. But I think it's important for us to also realize how much that that is influencing regular people and regular relational oh, yeah. dynamics yeah. And, and in the church, which is what you're addressing. And that's, in the, I think what you're saying here is that what both of you are saying is people have always been sexually broken. People are still yes. sexually broken. No one is actually starting on the starting line of purity. Everyone right. north of puberty is perverted. <laughs> yeah. That's know? right, yeah. Right. In, in one way or another, right? Yeah. Right. Now, some are more perverted than others, but everyone north of puberty has had perverted thoughts that ultimately do not please the Lord. We, we are That's sexually right. broken uh, mm -hmm. beings. But it doesn't it make sense because sex is such an amazing gift of God. Sex does, I believe, demonstrate something of the Lord, right? It yeah. is the means by which we as human beings take part in the creation of life. Um, I had a theology professor, in fact, it was Bruce Ware who's been here say, mm -hmm. the reason that sex is so pleasurable and delightful is that it mirrors the kind of delight that God has when he does create life. Mm -hmm. It is the, as I said yesterday, this kind of sacrament of the covenant, it's the sign of the covenant of marriage, yeah. which marriage is a picture of Christ and his church. So there is so much good wrapped up in God's design for sex. If you were Satan, and you were like, okay, I want to like d distort the gospel and distort yeah, easy people's target. understanding. Well, it's it's not not even easy. Maybe it is easy, but it's like it's it's like okay, we've got to take down sex. I mean, you know, it's right. like that's that's like the New York City of you know that's a strategic takedown sure. place uh, right. if we're trying to kind of take over the Christian mind. And to that point, God is so good and gives us these gifts that it's easy when you have experienced sexual sexual brokenness and sin in your life and then you've come to christ and you're wondering how god sees you now mm -hmm. well he still sees you as a lover and not a despot like god that's right loves you so much and this is what the the place that paul is actually coming at it in this in this passage he lists sexual sin along with other sins mm -hmm. saying this is we are sinners and such were some of you um, he's saying we're we're all sinners and there's this beautiful remedy in Christ for you. So God sees you like he sees every other sinner that That's has right. come to Christ. <laughs> I love that. He says he, the first order of business for him is, hey, that's what you were. So it's an identity thing. So, hey, that's right. once we're in Christ, we get to hit redo and and we get to, to have a fresh start. So let me let's continue. Well, and I, I want to say something, one more thing on that. And I meant to say this at the very beginning, but then there were so many roads to go down here <laughs> lots of roads but the um 
the church has not helped us out with some of these things. Um, I think one of the reasons that like people sit through a sermon like that and feel very broken and very lost in a way that if I said like work is an idol, they'd be like, oh yeah, I got to do better, you know, Mm -hmm. but they don't feel like, oh my gosh, I've ruined myself by making work an idol. You know, now I think some of that is in this text. I mean, sex is obviously a very personal thing. That right, it's, you know, it speaks to that whole right, self. Right, yeah, yeah there, there is something that's personal about it. But I do think that the church has also kind of created what we call like the purity culture, right? Where you are whole, you are good if you stay pure in these kinds of ways, which again is anti-gospel, right? Mm-hmm. We are not purified by our sexual morality. Now, the gospel calls us to sexual morality, the gospel calls us to God's design and order in all things, right? Mm-hmm. Sex, work, everything. Um, but I do think that Christians kind of this thing, I know that I'm pure as long as I have not had sex or not drunk, uh, you know, alcohol or whatever it may be. That's right. These things have made me right before God, which I just want to say, if you've kind of fallen into that sphere, that understanding of belief, like that will ultimately send you to hell, mm-hmm. okay? that is damnable along the line with sexual immorality. Justification by sexual purity and justification by dating a hot girl and having a lot of sex with her both fail in, right. in, in, in light of God's perfect holiness. Uh, only, justification, only justification by faith in Christ and in his righteousness will ultimately save us. But because I think the church has kind of failed people and kind of preached a purity gospel uh, I do think people have a, an even more so guilty conscious over these kinds of sins. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, that kind of permeates in an odd way. I, I was saying earlier a story about a friend that was like, well, uh, you know, we have slipped up and have sex, but what we're going to do, what we're going to save for marriage is we're not going to shower together. Right. And it's like, okay, well, what I'm going to say for marriage is I'm not going to eat an avocado with, you know, Paige. I mean, like, yeah. at some point, it's <laughs> like, random and what, ridiculous. what are you talking about? You <laughs> right. know, yeah. like, not w- nonsensical. Yeah. But it is this justification by purity thing that, okay, well, obviously, I can't like follow God's actual design, but like, I can create a, I can create a law of my own that I can follow and therefore be holy and righteous and look down on other people that are eating avocados with their, you know, boyfriend or girlfriend. And so, but that's, that is where the church is. And so I just want to say, like, if you've believed that, if you've been part of that, like, let me set you free. Like you are not justified by your behavior. You are called by God to follow him, to be like him and to enjoy the delight of knowing a living God. And that is our aim and that is our pursuit, right? And so what is the mm-hmm. answer to sexual immorality? It's not sexual morality, it's godliness. It's knowing God, right? right? Mm-hmm. What is the answer to, I mean, this is kind of like the reparative therapy that people do in like the homosexual circles, right? What is the answer to having homosexual desires? It's not looking at naked females, right? It is loving and knowing God and, and, and hoping that 
as you know and love him, your desires will be aligned with his. Now, having desires aligned with God, just to speak to that particular issue, may or may not lead you to having heterosexual desires, right? That's right. But mm -hmm. heterosexual desires are not ultimate, right? Those are not, those do not save you. A Godward desire is what is ultimate. And that mm -hmm. is our desire for for Christ's covenant and for the, for, for any Christian. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I really agree with what both of you are saying. I, when we think about the Lord and we realize, Oh, his commands are not burdensome. He's, he gives me good things. And so sexual purity in a right response to the Lord, you realize is good. Oh, I might even get to know this person's personality without crossing those physical lines. I might return them more holy than when we started. Oh, it's actually really helpful, the fences that God has put up. And I think that's always one of Satan's biggest lies is that obedience to the Lord is going to make you miserable. And it, right, actually, yeah. it actually sets us free. That's right. Yeah. So, you know, Jason used a fairly provocative term, this marketplace, okay. the, the, the whole idea of marketplace. And I know there were some questions that came up. We're in this. How do I go from a marketplace to a covenant relationship? Mm -hmm. I, I think we've clarified that pretty well the last couple of weeks but let's just one more time let's hone in and let's make sure that we've got some let's pursue clarity on this idea of how do i go from marketplace transactional relationship to covenant with someone since we live in this uh attractional model versus an arranged marriage model what, what would you guys say to that do you want to speak to it first or? sure yeah um i agree it's provocative <laughs> but it's true we do operate in in all relationships that we when we first you know meet people it is something about what is this person doing for me yeah. i mean what can i do for them you know it's just like a friendship it's like you know somebody makes you laugh and then you're like oh okay they're they're fun to be with and then oh they laugh at my jokes too and you know all of a sudden <laughs> we've become like friends and then we get to the deep stuff so I mean, there is this sense of the um, the marketplace in dating, but for the Christian, it's different in that the goal is different and more. Yes, I'm you know, I marketed myself to Matt in that I wanted man. to the perfect man and <laughs> that, you know, I, who, who I presented, right. who, who I showed up exactly um, <laughs> as, you know, my best self on our on our dates. That's right. But, old, you know, for the Christian, I am presenting my strengths to him ultimately so that I can saying, I will, these will be benefit you. Like I am bringing, I would bring these to benefit you in the sense that like, I could love you. That's what we're moving towards. Um, and then ultimately covenant where, right, yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm in this no matter what. And the same thing I'm looking for him, you know, I'm testing to see like, you know, he seems like a really um, responsible guy and he works hard and you know, that that's good. But you guys clearly gonna, moved from a marketplace yeah. Yeah. To a covenant. But right. Because the goal was yeah, to the, give and to love. I think the thing that makes this un, uncomfortable for people. Okay. So what I wanted to do is kind of delineate marriage, right? Yeah. And so marriage is a covenant relationship. The, the wedding ceremony is that you are making a covenant. So how do you enter into the covenant? You get married. I mean, you, you, yeah. you enter into the covenant. You, you, you make vows before God to one another. That is how we make the covenant of marriage. And the covenant of marriage says, even when your spouse is not marketable, even when they're poor, you know, yeah. Jennifer like Matt, because she was like, this guy's really smart. He's going to make a lot of money. He's, <laughs> he's healthy. He's in good shape. 
Uh, and you know, he's got and that great hair. He's got great hair. He does it's, have great it's hair. Better hair than a lot of these other guys. A lot of guys. Here, here. But the the wedding vow like specifically says to her, even if Matt were to gain a bunch of weight, mm-hmm. get out of shape, even if Matt were to be poor, even mm-hmm. if Matt were to lose all of his hair, it doesn't matter because the the ontology of the relationship now is what's important not the function of the relationship right yeah right. and i and 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 first of all let me just say this dating is not necessary for marriage right there are a lot of cultures where you do have as we've talked about uh, a situation where there are arranged marriages and a lot mm-hmm. of those marriages can be really happy you're making a covenant i mean i, I i've heard stories i think of, statistically they are they, yeah they're, they're they, be, they, they work lost, out better yeah they work better yeah i i've i've because and, and because i think people actually in those a lot of times in those cultures understand like what they're doing they understand yes. that they're vowing and they're building a life with someone yeah right what 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 happens with a lot of marriages is the marriage never ceases to be a marketplace relationship. That is the problem with the American marriage is that it, it never gets out of marketplace relationship. And so when, when people go through divorce, in fact, the number one thing that I hear when people are going through a divorce is he did he just didn't keep up his end of the bargain, yep. right? Mm-hmm. They use marketplace relationship. Language. I feel yeah. like I'm getting a raw deal, right? Mm-hmm. And so these are the kinds of things that people say to pastors and counselors mm-hmm. when they're going through a divorce, right? right? They use marketplace relationship. So I wanna delineate when you get married, you're, something is changing, right? But, you know, the, the, and so dating is not necessary, but the institution of dating, you know, just to define it is a marketplace thing. You're as Jennifer just described, you're, you're, you're presenting your best self, if you will, in order to make a covenant with someone that you truly find attraction attractive that you want to be with. right? Right. And I don't think there is intrinsically anything wrong with that. I mean, that's what I was trying to say yesterday. Like, you have to understand the difference between the two things. Marketplace relationships aren't intrinsically bad, but I think it made people uneasy, right? Because, um, because marketplace that that kind of idea, meat market, and did it can can also be attached to a lot of sinful things. So, marketplace right. relationships aren't intrinsically bad, but they can be really right. bad, right? And, and I would just say, and I had a great uh, question come up to me after the sermon yesterday. Well, wait, is this really a marketplace relationship? Like, you know, is it the same kind of relationship I have, like, for example, with the person working at Chick-fil-A? And I say, well, as a Christian, you being a Christian changes all of your relationships. And these were the rules that I gave. Remember who you are. Mm-hmm. You are a representative of Christ, mm-hmm. right? So it should never be a Christian's goal to like go hook up with as many hot girls as he possibly can, because that's not what Jesus would do. Like right. you are a follower of Christ now. Remember who you are. Um, it should never be a Christian's goal to you know take advantage of a guy or a girl, right? Because you see them as your brother and sister in Christ. Remember who they are, right? It should never be a Christian's goal to do a lot of sketchy things that you have to hide from people because we remember our family. Um, and so in one sense, with any girl, you know, that, you know, Paige and I were not members of the same church when I first got interested in her, but we were in a sense covenanted together as 
you know, members of the body of Christ, right? So we had kind of already ended into one covenant, right? Mm -hmm. We were brothers and sisters of the Lord. And there's mm -hmm. like a family of God thing that we were a part of that any Christians, because if you're a Christian, you should be dating other Christians. You should see the people that you're dating. So in one sense, yes, you are in Christian covenant with them. You're not in marital covenant with them. And the way, and being in Christian covenant with another person determines how you should treat them. Um, and, and I think that even gets even a little more intense if they're a member of your own local church, which I think is a good thing, you know, but that you should be especially mindful of how you treat them and care for them and take care of them. And again, I'm, I don't want to draw too much of a delineation between a girl that goes to your church or a guy that goes to your church and a guy that goes to a different church. But because that there's so many connections, like how you treat them, the care you kind of take in the relationship. So how do you do these things? How do you enter into these things as a Christian. And again, I think your marketplace goals or how you behave or your marketplace behavior, if you want to use that word, is determined by your marketplace goals. And, you know, and so my marketplace behavior, because my goal is the covenant of marriage with someone, mm -hmm. with another believer is going to be honorable. It's going to be out in the open. It's going to be pure. Right. It's hopefully going to be sanctifying. It's still marketplace behavior because like Jennifer said, like I still, if I was taking, you know, if I was single and I was taking a girl out, I'd still want her to think like, Jason's a nice guy, a he's, guy. he's hard worker, right. you know, et cetera, et right. cetera. I still want to present myself well. And when you remember these things and you think about the goal, then it helps you prioritize what you're marketing because what are That's the goods right. that the goods that you should care about, which are character. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. And and would be more important to you than you know, whether they work out at the level <laughs> yeah. that you work out. <laughs> or well, and I think, it, I think also the, the bigger picture is super important to remember. If I'm going to enter into that, that relationship where I'm going to present my best self, see their best self, see if we can work out, it is for a purpose, and that is in Christianity. That's marriage. It's not just mm -hmm. play in the field, not just having a good time forever and ever. I think that's really important. And also think the eternal picture is really important that we are all going to spend eternity together as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so I need to see everyone who's a, if I'm a single person who I might potentially date as bigger than just somebody I could have an interest in. Like we're going to be together forever worshiping the Lord. So like you said, if I go on a date with somebody, I certainly want to return them more holy than when I left them, right. which just quick little side note, cause there's one or two other things we really want to get to. In this system that we have, we're probably not going to change it and go back to an arranged marriage system. We're probably going to see the system fine. play out. I don't yeah. think that we, that's what I'm saying. I don't, we don't need to. No, but one difference is there may come a point when you need to end a relationship. Just bonus question here. Any tips on Christians saying this just isn't working out? Okay, I want to. Can I say one more? I want, I love talking about breakups. Okay, okay. <laughs> but I, I, I can I say one more thing on the marketplace thing? Yeah, please. Yes. And this is a confession of sin. And I already confessed to Jennifer, and um, she said I was forgiven. But yeah. I, I uh, um, but another I think big trap, and I think this is true for for girls mm -hmm. and guys. I don't think this is just guys, but that I fell into was not just i knew that i wanted to i knew i was supposed to date a christian those kinds of things but but finding a sense of self-value in the woman that i was pursuing or with or dating and so i i wanted to like be with the the girl 
that all my buddies would be impressed by, you know, yeah. in, a, in a worldly sense, you know, um, like in, in the story I was telling here, there, there was a time I was, I'd gone out with a girl a couple of times and I was kind of interested in her and I thought she was beautiful and she had, I thought she had a great heart and I was attracted to her and I liked her and my buddies were like, ah, she's not that hot. Like, and I broke up with her. And, you know, now, again, God is sovereign, and I'm so glad I ended up with Paige. You know, I don't regret it. There were some, yes. some people gasping as that part just came exactly. out on the, on the podcast. You see there now was, why he wow. needed uh, wow. to confess. Yeah, yeah. well, I, but, but the, the point I'm saying is, is like, what, what, what was my sin there? And it was like finding my identity, my value yeah. mm -hmm. in like how pretty this girl that I was dating was. Mm -hmm. And again, I think that's another big trap that, that people can get into. You know, we were talking about this scenario earlier where, you know, we, you go to a party and there's 10 folks there and like you only really talk to three of them when like all of um, them may be godly, they may have good character. Right. But we, we have the, again, to use this language, the wrong marketplace values, right. the wrong right. marketplace right. goals, because we, we, we aren't really set on the right ultimate goal of finding someone that will be a partner in life that I can serve the Lord with, um, that has the kind of godly character that I can parent alongside. I mean, these kinds of things um, that'll totally change the way. Then, then all of a sudden, to your point, Jennifer, like, you know, how they look in a bathing suit or whatever becomes less yeah. important. Right. Um, and again, I would, you know, physical attraction is not unimportant. I mean, that's yeah. great. Yeah. But it's just not the ultimate it's fine and it's not, important it's not thing. Ultimate. Right. Right. Okay. All right, now to breakups. Before we go to Sarks and Soma, I just want to say what what's a quick bit of advice you would say? How should a Christian get out of a relationship, a dating relationship? What advice would you have? Jennifer? Well, first I'd say don't blame the Lord. Don't pull the uh, God I, card? I, I, you don't want people to pull the God card? The Lord told me to break up with you. The Lord hasn't given me peace about this relationship. <laughs> <laughs> it's not him. <laughs> okay. Don't pull the God card. Yeah, I like that. Exactly. Um, did you have to, you were going mean, to say I, something? Go I, ahead. I, I can tell you, yeah, I can tell you how to sorry. break up with somebody. Yeah, yeah, okay, right, go on. ahead. What you got? All right, look, listen. If you have to break up, okay, here's what you do. You sit him down and you say, look, I just don't see this relationship going any further. You should both understand that the goal of the relationship is marriage, marriage. Right? That's right? And so if it's not going to go any further, right, then You've, you, you cannot accomplish the goal, which is marriage. And so it needs to end. And so I don't see this relationship going any further. I, I don't typically, and again, you know, I don't typically think that a breakup needs to be like, this is why I wanna break up with you, et cetera, et cetera. You know, even if like there are some big character things, it's just, you know, <sighs> Ultimately, it's, you know, I mean, if you feel, I guess, compelled, but that's kind of things like, I'm going to trust their godly girlfriends to help them see, see their character right. deficiencies in their life. I, or I, guy friends. I don't think it's like this time to yeah. really correct them. I just don't think it going any further. I would say to somebody that being broken up with, if someone's breaking up with you, let them break up with you, right? Don't, yeah. don't, I mean, you don't want to marry somebody that wants to break up with you. That's right. Right. That's and right. so, and, you, don't, and don't cry in front of them. Do it, do it when, do it once they leave. Be strong. Be yeah, strong. Yeah. I, mean, I, you know, I, I mean, come on. That may be no, kind of you can hard. cry. Yeah, you can I, cry. I, I okay. think crying. Please okay, cry. But but, but yeah. it just you know yeah it can be very sad. Yeah. And um and then the other advice that I would give is let it be, you know, 
please just let it be a clean break. You know, don't do the whole, um, you know, where it's kind of or we're still friends. Right. You you can be friends, right? I, I am actually friends or whatever with some of my ex-girlfriends. But there was definitely a time where we didn't talk for a long time. And that's good. And yeah. that's okay. Like, let your heart to, heal. Exactly, get over heal. it. You don't hate them. They don't yeah. hate you. But it is a you still want the best for them. You're not talking about your sister in Christ. You're not talking about them to other people, bringing up their flaws. You're both you're both uh, assuming something here. You're both assuming that you actually are going to have a face to face conversation. You know, text breakups are a big deal now. I would. Oh, yeah. Just blanket. Don't do that. I've never I've never. I see that's the thing. This is my problem. I've. (laughs) <laughs> I got married too soon. I, mean, I, yeah, exactly. I, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do this stuff. Yeah. Um, no, you, you, yes, of course. They're your sister in Christ. I mean, that's yeah. that's the thing. Or your brother in Christ. Like honor them, mm-hmm. and 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 you know, and then just be about your business. Go do the next thing, and and it's okay to be sad. That's the thing too. Of course, when somebody breaks up with you. You're going to be sad. Yeah. I actually recommend like listening to a bunch of sad music, like just enjoying the sadness, <laughs> the sadness. of the moment <laughs> and and just realize it was a sad thing. It's never fun. Um, but I'll just I'll go ahead and break it to you, too. If somebody's breaking up with you, it's usually over something that like you can't really change. It's, you know, something that maybe, yeah. you know, I, I had a, a gal break up with me because I wanted to be a pastor and I knew I was going down that road and she didn't want that okay that's fine right you know i felt called i wasn't going to change you know i i I felt the lord calling me to that it was it was the lord's way of kind of saying we need to break up and so just they're breaking up because something you can't change that's fine just just let them break up with you Uh, i think there's some advice not only how to break up as i said be very direct this isn't going Mm -hmm. very further keep it simple don't give them a lot of reasons i mean i just don't think that's you know super helpful and if somebody's breaking up with you don't make them just let them Break up with you. You don't want to be with somebody that doesn't want to be with you. It kind of goes to what what you were saying about um, why you want to be with them in the first place. Is it hurting more because of what this says about you? You know, like it's it's almost... um, you know, it's, sometimes it's like there's an embarrassment. Like you focus on That's the fact right. that this person doesn't want me. What's wrong with me that they wouldn't want to be with me? I mean, that's actually very, again, marketplace um, yeah. language. Um, just realizing that your approval and your love comes ultimately from the Heavenly Father. Yeah, and, right. yeah, and, and I think to Jennifer's point, like you're trying to make a covenant with them. And so... Um, yeah, don't don't like try to keep a customer, right? right. That's the, right. The goal <laughs> here right. is, you know, that you're making a covenant, and and you obviously want to enter into a covenant with, with somebody, somebody that wants really it. wants to also be in well. the covenant. Right. That's right. So, well, you know, we need to shift gears real quick. Uh, we're we're going a little long. This is all so good though. But we had a question about sarks and soma about the word flesh that you used in this passage. Paul uses that word. What? What's your thoughts on clarifying that for us? Well, I think the person was asking, like, does Sarks kind of refer to like the fleshly desires? That's right. Uh, well, it refers to flesh. I mean, Paul uses that word in a couple of different ways. The so two, I wasn't the two will become one flesh. Yeah, I wasn't referring to like all the ways that Paul uses the word Sarks. So if you've heard a sermon, if the person's asking it because they heard a sermon where somebody was saying like he's talking about his fleshly desires, yes, like that's fine. I, I'm not. I wasn't saying this is the only way, you know, Paul uses it. What I was referring to 
is not the usage of it, but more like the Greek meaning of it. The Greek meaning of soma is more of the whole person. The Greek meaning of sarks is more the fleshy, you know, kind of part of the person. And so the point that I was trying to make there is those two are united. When, when you, you can't just, I think what people say, well, what do I do with my, what do I do with my body doesn't really matter. I think what Paul's argument here is, and again, it's not my argument, it's Paul's argument, mm -hmm. is you know, what you do with your body does matter, right? Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the whole, like, he's quoting the song, the stomach and the food and everything, is saying like, well, the food is made for the stuff, you know, say la vie, what you do with your body doesn't really matter. Well, no, what you do with your body does matter. And, 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 and having sex is, is a, is committal. And, and again, I, I, I think that I was trying to kind of prove this, like when, you know, unless somebody is just so coarse or so, um, so sexually active that you have made this act, um, it's so perverted that it's it's lost a sense of its meaning. You do feel compelled during the act to make promises or to say right. things to the, the other person or whatever. And that's just, that's that's speaking to the whole self-donation of it, um, the unifying nature of it. Um, and so anyway, I mean, Paul's making the argument, but I, I also would kind of argue that it's intrinsically true um, that, that, that this is something that is meaningful. And that's why there's so much shame and all these other kind of things attached to it. Because, but there's no, you know, here's a, here's a, here's a personal story. So of course I grew up, you know, I'm a good church kid. And, uh, you know, I, I, by God's grace was, uh, uh, I had certainly, again, everybody north of puberty's perverted. I certainly had some sexual sin, but I was a, a virgin when I got married. Mm-hmm. And so I thought like, oh my gosh, like, am I going to feel bad, you know, going from like virgin to like <laughs> naked, having sex all the time? Like, is it going to take yes. me a couple of weeks? And I think for some people, maybe it, it does, oh, but, that's yeah. True. Yeah. but for that's me, true. it didn't at all. Like, you know, I felt fine. I didn't feel any guilt. And, and even it was, it was so interesting to me because there had been times, you know, when I was dating a girl or something, we would do something that we shouldn't have done, but you know, not that. And I would like feel, oh, like the weight of guilt, like my conscience would just so prick me. And I thought like, man, like, well, if I do this, you know, in marriage, am I gonna like feel that? And of course I didn't at all, which again, just speaks to, I think, God's design and yeah. the yes. reality of the Holy Spirit in my life. Yes. Um, well. Um and, and, and some not everyone has that experience, a Christian who marries as a virgin. And then some people do struggle, but that has more to do with how your conscience is programmed right. than that they're actually. No, I think my some, conscience was, was programmed, programmed rightly. But right. Yeah. Yes. But, I'm but just if like, someone didn't have your experience. How did that happen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's right. because God is real and the Holy Spirit is real. Yes. And so yes. anyway. Maybe maybe share, maybe sharing too much there, but I, I do think that's helpful. No, I, and think, I think that's important. It's actually to something I think too right. to think about the reality of God in my life. Like, like how did that happen? Like that's that's clearly not something that I was trained in or something. It, it's clearly speaking to some sort of spiritual evidence in mm -hmm. my personal life. And I, I would just add to that: if you're on the other side of that, and you are a, a Christian couple, you're married, and one or both of you did come into the marriage not being virgins, mm -hmm. having some sexual baggage, 
if you can't seem to find that freedom that you're talking about, Jason, I would encourage you not to stay silent on that, but to find a pastor, find Jennifer, right. find somebody to talk to and say, hey, how do I get to that place? How do I get to that place where 100%. this right. is this is good and I know it's right. good and I see it as God does. How do I get there? Exactly. Remember your family. Remember That's your what the family. body is all yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we have a couple of different places we could go uh, as we wrap up, but we did have one one specific question on compatibility. And we talked about how important is compatibility when it comes to uh, to finding that person. And I, I sent a message back and said, hey, can you help clarify compatibility? And it was like, yeah, you know, like how important is it to have the same sense of humor, to like the same things, to pass the point of, yes, we're both Christians, but how much do I need to be looking for likeness when I'm finding this person before I covenant with them? Mm -hmm. Any thoughts you two on celebrating some differences or we need to be really alike or how much stock do I put into all of that? I just, I just keep coming back to even in your, what you just said about Sarks and Soma, how much we, we look to, you know, our own bodies, like Paul said, it's like, I think if I'm hungry, then I want food. I'm made for food. If I desire sex, then I must be made for sex. And what Paul, his whole thrust here is to point us to the Lord, that we are the Lord's, that he is the one who ultimately, um, we should be looking to, to, to find out who we are and who we should be. And so in many ways, I feel like it's like, he gives us great freedom to choose to marry someone that we find funny or that we find attractive or, um, and even in arranged marriage situations, I mean, the way that works is that they have, you know, committees of people who know the people in the community and they're mm -hmm. putting people together who have some compatibility. So it's not irrelevant, but I think the danger is, when you are looking to yourself to determine who you wh who would be the best choice for you, like purely compatibility mm -hmm. or overemphasis on compatibility, um, that I think is a concern. So I would I would pray I would identify the things that I like in another person, but I would also pray that the Lord change my heart if I need to consider someone that I'm not considering because he's not as funny as I wanted him to be. Or yeah. imagine myself being with. Yeah, I, I, I think I had my list before I met Heather of my <laughs> non-negotiables, which was pretty short. And then I had some negotiables. Yeah. And Heather Heather fits some of those negotiables and some of them she didn't. And I'm sure it was the same with in, in her eyes about me. But yeah, we... I flexed on some of those. Yeah, negotiables. I, I like the Stanley Hauerwas quote that I know like Tim Keller and others have quoted many times. Like, the trick in marriage is learning to love the person that you're married to over and over and over again. That's right. Like, yes. You, you, I mean, there was things that I thought Paige really liked before we got married that she doesn't really like as much now. Right. And so like, does that make her bad or does that make her not compatible? Or make no, it just compatible. Right. Right. And there's things that like, I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, I got married when I was 27, you know, and yeah. I'm 39 now, it's not like those are, but I'm different. Like I like different things. I'm interested in different yeah. things. And so because marriage is such a lifelong project, mm -hmm. I think that we put so much weight on the things that like ultimately aren't going to matter in one or two years, certainly not five or 10 years. And we don't put enough weight on the things that really are. And so that, right. that would be the thing I would say about compatibility. Yeah, of course, like, 
you know, you, you want to, you like to play golf. You want to be with somebody that golfs. Okay. But that's not ultimate, right? right. Sure. They may like, so they hate golf in two years, you know, yeah. or, or, or children come and it's hard to get in a golf game. Right. Anymore, right. right. So those aren't yeah. the kinds of things that, that, that really you should base your relationship. The, the covenant yeah. that are going to strengthen the covenant. The no. covenant is the covenant. But the kinds of things that are going to strengthen the covenant, as Jennifer said, you know, before, are our character and love for the Lord and dependence on the people of God. Um, those are the kinds of things that that, that really add strength right. to the covenant. Um, you know, ability to be corrected, ability to, yeah. to you know, teachability, humility. Yeah. I mean, these are the kinds of things that like nobody talks right. about. Like nobody's like, oh my gosh, like you are so teachable and so humble. <laughs> And it really made me desire you. But that's really what we should be saying, saying you yes. know. And that's yeah. what you should be doing during dating is that you're having, yes, you're you're spending time together. You're getting to know each other. And hopefully you're having fun doing the things that, you know, finding out if you're those compatible things. You enjoy the same things. But that's ultimately so that you can determine, is this person teachable? Are they humble? How do they handle my, hmm. you know, when I share this thing that's important to me? I mean, you're testing to see if this person is trustworthy because you want to commit to a trustworthy person. But after that, you're in and you're building right. yeah, and again, something together. Remember your family. Get some older right. people that right. kind of know yeah. the, de the deal to help you out a little bit. Yeah. I mean, yeah. marriage is overwhelming. I mean, I like when <laughs> Jesus talks about it and his disciples say, well, who should get married? Yeah. <laughs> Can anyone do this? Like, what are you talking about, Jesus? I don't know about that. Uh, and so, and so, yeah. I mean, it is like that is actually like the, the disciples have like an amazingly correct posture toward Insight marriage there yeah. yeah and so and and we all should but but you can be married but but again like your family can help you and god's actually giving you your family to help you mm. so well, There's a lot more we can talk so about. Much more. What if what if we land the plane? Oh man, for I now? thought we were gonna land. I thought that was it. <laughs> let's let's we did one more circle around uh Hartsfield <laughs> Jackson. Right. Yeah. We we have we have full permission now to land, but look, we're really excited about this next <laughs> Sunday. One more week, and then we'll sail up into the sunset. It's gonna be amazing. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We'll see you next week. All right. Well, for Thomas Nelson and Jennifer Glush. I'm Jason Dees. Thanks for listening.